you don't know, endo isn't just about the uterus and uterus lining, it's uterus lining growing outside the uterus. So everywhere in your body, basically. So I actually had it in my belly button as well. That was an interesting, we didn't really know what it was and my belly button just started bleeding. And then like it would happen all the time, like every month around my cycle. And I was like, why is this happening? And it was uncomfortable, like it was, as you can imagine. Yeah. And then it continued happening and I developed like a lump thing on the outside. And yeah, that was the cause of what was bleeding every single month. Hey Refam, my name's Kate and this is Keeping It Real a podcast desperate for doctors to just listen to women. We first met Jess when she'd lost 100 kilos and came to have her excess skin removed across multiple surgeries. What we didn't know was that Jess was in the midst of a years-long battle to be diagnosed with endometriosis. In today's episode, Jess generously shares her endo journey, from doctors telling her to just get pregnant at 23 to no one taking her unbearable pain seriously until she lost weight and the devastation of only finding out her first surgery was a failure after two rounds of heartbreaking IVF results. Jess's story perfectly shows just how frustrating it still is to be taken seriously as a woman by medical professionals. A warning that Jess is very open with her IVF journey, so if that's not for you, maybe give this one a miss. But otherwise, I hope you enjoy Jess's story and her prevailing message to always, always self-advocate. Jess, thank you for joining me. Endo is such a common disease. It still takes on average seven years to be diagnosed. When did you first suspect you had endometriosis? Well, I never actually heard of the word endometriosis until I was about 19, 18, 19. And before that, it was just like heavy periods and, you know, the doctors just say, you'll grow out of it. It's just a, you know, he's having a bad period. Here's the pill, you know. Mm. It'll just fix it. But I never heard of the word. Like I didn't know what it was. It was just the way that it is. Um, and it wasn't until then I started to like found out what it was and I'm like, oh, I meet the criteria. Like is this possibly the answer to my problems? And um, my GP at the time like oh I don't think so like that's very rare um and I don't think that's your problem did you have a male GP or a female one male (laughs) (laughs) go on (laughs) um so then I moved away I moved down to Sydney and I was on a mission to find out what was going on because it was taking over my life Mm -hmm. and at 18 19 you want to be living and I wasn't living and I moved away moved down to Sydney I was 23 and started seeing a gynecologist and he even mentioned the word endometriosis and I was like someone is saying the word like suspecting that I actually do have it and yeah we took it from there and what were the symptoms like did you have a really painful period or was there more things yeah so I had extremely bad periods, not just um, pain, but it was heavy. I was missing days off school. Um, You know, Panadol wasn't working. At that time I was on stronger pain relief and that wasn't really doing anything. And I was even having to go to the hospital because I was just in so much pain Mm. um, and nothing was 
yeah, helping. Okay, so once you got that diagnosis from the gynecologist, mm-hmm. what was it like kind of getting that validation? Yeah, so that actually wasn't a diagnosis. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that was a suspecting of mm-hmm. endometriosis but not a diagnosis. So the only way of actually um, diagnosing endometriosis is through a laparoscope surgery, which is keyhole surgery, um, and I had to fight. So my fight really just began then. Um, And at the time I was a hundred kilos heavier and that wasn't going to happen. I was basically told lose the weight and you know, your symptoms will go away. Um, And I just, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't lose the weight. It just wasn't happening. So I just left it there and um, went and saw another uh, gynecologist and they basically said the same thing. Um, and they also told me to get pregnant because that fixes endometriosis apparently is just to get pregnant. Oh, my God. And also famously so easy. That's what mm-hmm. they say about endometriosis. They say, wow, you just fall pregnant at the drop of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you're 23 as well at this yes. time. So there's yes. no other societal factors, mm-hmm. like nothing that could be an issue. Absolutely. And we were trying to get pregnant. Yeah, right. So my BMI at that stage was around 55. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we're not going to operate on you. Um, but yeah, get pregnant and we'll send you to the fertility clinic here. They said the same thing. We're not going to give you fertility medication because you're morbidly obese, which I totally understand. Um, but yeah, lose the weight. Good luck. (laughs) And this is all instead of doing a laparoscopy. Correct. Because the risk of, um, you know, my BMI was very high. It wasn't a life threatening, um, situation, even though my life was so impacted. Um, they just had no answers for me. So I battled and, um, I went on and had weight loss surgery in 2018. So a few years later and lost the weight. However, with losing the weight, my symptoms actually got worse. Oh my God. (laughs) And I went back to, um, the gynecologist, my original one that I saw when I was in Sydney and and yeah, he's like, well, let's try you on a few different medications. And um, they helped for a little bit, but not really. And he's like, um, let's just try and get pregnant and <laughs> take it from there. So back to the whole pregnancy thing. And Why I is like, this everyone's answer in only last nine months? Yeah. 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 Because a lot of women, they you know, they do get pregnant and, you know, endometriosis doesn't mean infertility. Yeah. But it can you know, sometimes mean for women that their symptoms just go away after pregnancy for really? some women. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But not for others. Yeah. 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 Um, but I wasn't getting pregnant. I was in my late twenties by this stage and I wanted a baby. That's all I wanted. Mm. Um, so I continue to lose weight, continue trying. And then obviously the magic COVID happened mm. and um, kind of just left it. Yeah. Um, Cause I was like, well, I'm never going to get where I need to be. I'm sick of fighting Mm. um, for someone who's not, you know, helping me. And then after it all, after lockdowns and stuff and I've had all my skin removal, my pain hadn't gotten any better, still wasn't pregnant. Um, And I've revisited it and I was like, I need surgery. Like Mm. I need an actual diagnosis. I need to know what's going on with me and some reprieve of my pain. Mm. Even though – Surgery doesn't always – there's no cure for endometriosis. Um, 
there is treatment option. Surgery is a treatment option. And I was like, let's just do it and see what happens. So <laughs> I had the surgery mm-hmm. in October last year. So 2022. Is this a laparoscopic yes. surgery? Yes. Yeah, keyhole. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I had um, three incisions in my belly. And sorry, just for a timeline, how long had it been since that first gynecologist appointment pre like weight loss and everything? Mm-hmm. Like when the word endo was kind of met with oh, yeah, actually, this might be what it is to this surgery. Yeah, so I was 23 when I first saw him, 18 when I first heard of the word endometriosis. Um, but since I had pain, I mm. was 13. By this stage of having surgery, I was 32. Oh, my God. 12, 13 years. And this is because it's the, when they're saying one in every seven women, like they're only taking that from the surgery. And let me take a wild guess, it's not covered by Medicare. Absolutely not. So you already have to be in a certain position to be getting like to even be allowed to be diagnosed. Mm-hmm. It's like how could they possibly you, think the you numbers You can get it done seven? publicly, but yeah. the waiting list, as you can imagine, is yeah. huge and they don't classify it as life-threatening or, you know, mm. necessary, yeah. which is totally not the case because women with endometriosis, really bad symptoms and they have no reprieve or even yeah. women who don't have as many symptoms deserve surgery as well. You shouldn't have to be in a financial position yeah. to have surgery. Okay, so you, and so you're back with the first gynecologist you saw, and he's at that stage. Fi- yes, yeah, he's yeah. finally been like, okay, yeah, I'll let's do, do surgery. surgery. Yeah, okay. yeah, and we had the surgery, and I thought I've had surgery. Mm-hmm. I got my diagnosis because even the day of surgery, I was like, what if it's all in my head? Yeah, what if I don't have endo? Like, what happens if he goes in there? I've spent all this money, mm. and I don't have it. Mm. There's like magically nothing wrong with me. And it wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was endo in there. Um, I was diagnosed with stage two endometriosis. So mm-hmm. endo has four stages. Um, one obviously being minimal endo, um, superficial endo, and then you've got stage four, which is basically everywhere. Um, if you don't know, endo isn't just about the uterus and the uterus lining. It's en- uterus lining growing outside the uterus. So everywhere in your body, basically. And people like always thought it was a pelvis only no, thing. Yeah. And then I was reading about people having it on their brain. Yeah. And in their nose. Oh my God. Yeah. And, Cause it, and then it'll be like so knitted together. Like there's adhesion between like a bowel and a bladder. I don't know. Yeah. The body. Bowel and your bladder. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, because it's so thick Yeah, and it's like an, all of that, every period is yeah. trying to shed. Yeah. So I actually had it in my belly button as well. Whoa. Yeah, so that was an interesting – we didn't really know what it was. Mm. Um, and had that been like – because obviously you had plastic surgery and your belly button was involved. Was that seen then or just like – No, well, I didn't see it until afterwards and my belly mm. button just started bleeding. Oh. And we didn't know what it was. We just thought it maybe it was a one-off. And then like it would happen all the time, like every month around – my cycle and I was like why is this happening and I I spoke to Richard and we were like we're not really sure oh my <laughs> god yeah yeah and it was uncomfortable like it was as you can imagine yeah and there was no like hole like that I could feel or that I could see yeah yeah, yeah. there wasn't like and a hernia yeah exactly and so I kind of just like left it for a while mm-hmm. and then it continued happening and I developed like a lump thing on the outside like a purpley kind of like looking lump yeah and yeah that was the cause of what was bleeding every single month and then yeah it made sense oh my god yeah okay so you had the surgery and 
you know, the surgery for a lot of women doesn't work at all. Absolutely. I think the stats are like you're 21% within a year it grows back. It, that goes to like 50% within five years. And it's – I don't think there's enough research around – I suppose every woman with endometriosis is so different and this is just my experience. Um, Some women have, you know, a complete turnaround and don't ever experience pain again or any symptoms of their endometriosis. However, there can be other women such as myself that are completely opposite. Like I had a friend and she had to get her um, appendix. Mm -hmm. It had burst and so she had to get that out. And while they were in there, they are like, oh, you have some endometriosis. And like she didn't know. So hers is obviously like so minor that it was just once they were in there, they were like, oh, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's so crazy about endo is you mm. can have no symptoms but still have endometriosis, mm. um, and that's why it's just so unknown. There's so it's so underdiagnosed. So you came out of the surgery. How did it feel? How did the conversations go after that? Mm-hmm. So conversation was basically you're fine to get pregnant now, and yeah, I was so excited because we'd been trying for years, and you know that was. It's my absolute dream is to have a child. And, and were you waiting so for this surgery before you kind of engaged with an IVF clinic or you'd been talking to them at the same no, time? No, I was waiting because I was like, this is what I need. I need to have the surgery and then mm-hmm. I'll get pregnant. Yeah. Because I wasn't getting pregnant. So I'm like, my endo must be causing my yeah. fertility issues. Um, and I had full trust in the conversations that we had had and it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So fast forward and the first couple of months after surgery, it is – quite painful because obviously, you know, it's surgery and it's surgery in your, you know, lower abdomen. Um, So it can take a while to go back to normal and recover. And I gave it the time. Mm -hmm. um, And in fact, I didn't have any reprieve of my symptoms. So um, I went back and I mentioned like, I'm still in pain. Um, I'm, you know, we've been trying to get, you know, pregnant and it's not really happening. Um, And, you know, was told, keep trying, it'll give, you know, give it time and it'll happen. Yeah. And I'm in my early thirties and I wanted to have a child when I was in my twenties. And I mm. know that a lot of women have children later in life, mm. but my, my dream was to have children in, in my mid to late twenties. And it's been also offered as a medical solution by not one, <laughs> not two, like all these different medical authorities yep. who've been like, your life will be better with a baby and it's like theirs is for separate reasons but like you know from a very young age that shifting and like putting how you think in such a certain way on top of just like wanting to have a kid yeah, yeah. then you've had all of this external pressure being like have a baby have a baby have yeah. a baby have a baby yeah yeah right and that's a lot it's a lot for yeah. anyone mm-hmm. um and anyone with kids knows that a child is expensive and it changes your whole life and yeah. it shouldn't be used as a treatment option <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and had that gynecologist said you, you'd be fine to get pregnant. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't. So I then um, decided to continue to self-advocate and that is so important now mm. that I look back and realise you're allowed to take things into your own hands um, and you're allowed to fight for yourself, um, which is really hard because we're always told, you know, you just got to listen yeah. and do what, you know, the medical professions say. Um, but not every medical profession is suited to your needs, yeah. which I have learnt. Um, so I went and saw a fertility specialist and they did testing, obviously, um, so blood tests, scans, etc. And I had a lower AMH, which is your like anti-malarian level, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't test egg quality, it tests egg amount, but it doesn't 
a quantity, I should say. Mm. Um, it's not the whole picture. Right. Um, so, yeah, mine was on the lower end for my age. And so IVF is the best option given mm-hmm. that I've got endometriosis as well and I had years of infertility. And we did my first round in June of this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you go in there thinking, oh, IVF, I'm going to get pregnant. Mm. It's, you know, walk in the park because a lot of people that I knew had gone through IVF and fallen pregnant quite quickly afterwards oh, okay. or, you know, I did ha- – I know other people that have taken years to fall pregnant for IVF, but there's an assumption mm. of just have IVF and you'll get pregnant. Um, however, the first round, unfortunately, um, I had only two mature eggs and um, – they were unable to be inseminated. Um, so we're like, okay, round two, we know what the problem is now and we'll do ICSI, which is basically where they inseminate the egg. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was so hopeful. <laughs> How many eggs is like a good haul in that first one? Like you said, only two. Yeah, so everyone is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were aiming for around the six. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we got the six that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Four were immature. So they obviously they look at the eggs. I don't know the whole process. Obviously, I'm not an yeah, embryologist. Okay. You don't have to give us the medical. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Just for the – because I'm like, oh, two sounds like a <laughs> yeah, lot. Yeah, so you get follicles and then yeah, inside okay. the follicles sometimes there's an egg. Not every follicle contains an egg. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I got six and yeah, they put them under microscope, check if they're mature or immature. Mm. So immature eggs can't be fertilized and turned into an embryo, obviously. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were kind of at a halt there for Mm -hmm. the first round. And, um, the second cycle I injected myself (laughs) for 24 days and it was about 80 in 80 needles, including the two triggers that I had. Um, everyone is different when it comes to their cycles of IVF, so different mm. protocols, um, different medications. And I responded quite well to the treatment. I had 30 follicles. 13 eggs were harvested on collection day. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I had zero mature eggs, oh, no. which was devastating yeah. um, because we – done everything yeah and that cycle I responded really really well Mm. um so yeah it was like a loss of you know or the could you know the could have beens um and that's a lot yeah a lot of eggs and there's a lot of hormones and unfortunately I developed OHSS which is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome Mm. which is very painful and very uncomfortable. What does that do? Um, so basically stimu- overstimulates your ovaries. Mm. Um, they go to overdrive. So there's so much estrogen in your body. Um, oh. Yeah, so obviously they're, they're pumping you full of estrogen yeah. to obviously get the eggs. And not everybody gets it. It's quite rare to get. How many acronyms have you had to memorise by this point <laughs> in your life? How many <laughs> words have I had to remember? <laughs> God, you're just like, I'm going to call you up with just a medical dictionary <laughs> and be this? like, hey, what's this one? Yeah, yeah, so I was absolutely gutted and mm. that kind of um, – you get your period obviously around two to two weeks after a failed cycle. Well, mm. I call it a failed cycle. Lots of people don't like it to call it a failed cycle. Yeah. Um, but the fact that I didn't get any mature eggs, calling it a failed cycle, mm-hmm. um, got my period and it was horrible. And it made worse by the OHSS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your body's still trying to get rid of the estrogen and 
my endo mm. was in overdrive. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on. I just remember sitting on the. This was in uh, late August of this mm. year. Sitting on the bed, on the corner of the bed, just crying because I couldn't feel my legs. And oh my god, it was it was a reminder that like it failed. Yeah, of course. Like, it's like you have to like deal with the disappointment the first time, yeah. and then there's just like this second dagger through the heart two weeks later. Yeah, and it's like. Oh, it's just a reminder of I just did all that for nothing. Yeah. Like I've just given myself all these hormones for the side effects of this, like yeah. what I was going through and all the pain relief that I had at home wasn't working and I didn't want to go to the hospital because if I went to the hospital, they would just tell me it's just endo and yeah. there's nothing we can do if you go home and take some Panadol, which it does nothing. Give me the morphine. <laughs> well, that doesn't even work because oh. I was just in – like I could not feel my legs. I couldn't feel my feet. So I called my GP um, and just bawled. Yeah. Um, and I was still very emotional from the round mm-hmm. and absolutely devastated. Um, and she was like, maybe it's time to get a second opinion mm-hmm. with your endo because there's nothing – we can do in terms of pain relief and you've tried everything and with the results of IVF, maybe something else is going on. So, yeah, I did it. I got a referral and um, a couple of friends of mine said, oh, go and see this this other surgeon. He's amazing, changed my life. And I was like, really? Mm. Like, does that actually exist? I've heard that one before. <laughs> does that actually exist? Yeah. And told him everything and he is the first person first gynecologist the first doctor to listen to my symptoms and my journey of endo and take me seriously and not go oh let's just do this let's just put you on the pill and so then what happened once you went to him yeah we went in for surgery again because there was still endo there uh he found stage four so the first guy who you diagnosed you was stage two yeah, stage was two. incorrect or like you had grown so much? Well, extra? we're not sure. Right, okay. Yeah. So there's no definite um, answer. But is that like quite a lot to go from stage two to stage Because like what yeah. are we talking now, like eight months or something? Yeah, about uh, less than 12 months. Yeah, that would be quite a – not a doctor. Um, <laughs> sounds like it would go be a lot. Okay, and so – and was he really shocked to find that when he went in? Yeah, absolutely. And – I was very shocked as well. Like I mm. knew that it was bad and I had the same thought going into surgery. What if he doesn't find anything? Yeah. <laughs> what if there was no like – Jess, you've been chronically gaslit your entire life yeah. by every single medical professional. Of course yeah. that's how you go into it. Everybody the whole way has yeah. just been like, well, no. if you just did this, yeah. it's this. It's like you stub your toe and they're like, well, it's because you're <laughs> overweight. It's like – Exactly. It's just it's been, because you're overweight. Yeah. Yep. Everything's been reduced and minimised to that. You haven't been taken seriously at any step and then you've done – everything and more that everyone's asked of you and they still haven't treated Mm -hmm. you with like basic respect. But the funny thing is, is like Mm. even before I had my plastic surgery, I came in thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, what if I'm told that I need to lose more weight? Yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't the fact at all. Like it was all just loose skin. And you'd lost 100 kilos, I should tell everyone. (laughs) 100 kilos. And And you're like, maybe maybe he'll just tell me to go away and lose more weight. The same with this surgery for Mm -hmm. my endo. I recovery was like – I'm not going to lie, like a walk in the park. Yeah, right. <laughs> like compared to my first endo surgery, I was back in hospital after day five. Like I just I couldn't get the pain to, under control. And this time I was only on pain relief for a couple of days. 
what did he say when he went in there? Like, I mean, stage four. Mm-hmm. Endo and endo. I had it everywhere. Um, and they do take pathologies and that's how they diagnose the endo. So they take away samples, not just, they don't just go off what they see, especially for excision surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should, I should say, tell you that I had excision surgery where they cut the tissue out mm-hmm. as opposed to bla- ablation where mm-hmm. they just laser it off. Okay. Um, and how long did that surgery take? Hours. So my first surgery uh, was not long at all. Mm-hmm. It was like 80 minutes of anesthesia time. Okay. And so, and then this one. Went. And I came out of uh, anesthesia and asking, did he, did he get it all out? Mm. <laughs> She's like, yeah. And he showed me the photos and I could not believe what I was seeing. In front of me, I was shocked. So were these photos he's taken like once he's inside or like because it wouldn't show up on like an x-ray or stuff? Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you can't see endo. You can sometimes see endo on a deep infiltrating ultrasound. Mm-hmm. However, it can't be seen on CT scan from my knowledge anyway, yeah. from a standard ultrasound um, and sometimes an MRI can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had the deep infiltrating scan mm-hmm. and they never saw any endo. Oh, okay. So before surgery, before they start like cutting away and then they take them again afterwards to show you what's been done. Once he saw that, is it still done as a keyhole surgery? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. yeah so in the next day he showed me the photos and I was, like I said, blown away by that was what I was seeing because my mm. first surgery, it was pretty Mm. Um, because yeah, just, there was like no blood or anything, like just Mm. beautiful. And this time it was intense. It was very graphic. Seeing this was a lot. I mean, and it's so intrinsically tied with everything, like with all the IVF. Absolutely. This whole journey. Then that's like to be like, wow, my last one just really showed how little was done. Yeah. Yeah. And so he does a thing called a wide excision. Mm -hmm. So they don't just take the top layer or just a little bit of the endo, but they take everything that even looks like endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, they send away the samples. Um, He sent away 11 samples. Wow. Um, And all of them but one was positive, deep infiltrating endometriosis. Um, And the only location that wasn't that was cut out last year. So is that why you couldn't feel your legs like an honest because it was pushing on certain parts? Yeah, so I must have had it I had it in my ligaments and stuff, but I also had it in my bowel. Right. Um there was a nodule in my bowel. And so that can obviously it's tied into your nerves and your ligaments, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then because you I know you said that the first two periods, no matter what, can be were were they hard still? So my first one was horrible. Mm. It was extreme. Mm-hmm. Second one wasn't bad at all. Um, wow. To the point that I didn't even need a Panadol. And that made me cry because yeah, I was like, I can't even remember the last time I had a period that did not mm. hurt. And mm. I had a whole day, a massive day at work. Um, and usually day one meant crippling pain, bottom of the shower, crying, couldn't feel my legs. And this time I went through a whole day. No, like no pain. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, so so what's the kind of keep up from here? Do you go in and check in with him now or is it kind of like a feeling basis? Yeah, so it's a feeling basis. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's still very early days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very optimistic that this is like given the fact that my symptoms now. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't have – like I still have endo flares and that – means something different to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of abdominal bloating, which is called endo belly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a lot of discomfort and I feel like 
you know, a couple months pregnant or have eaten way too much, but nowhere like beforehand. And what does that mean for your IVF? Do you think you're going to try again? Mm-hmm. Or? Yeah. So we now have a chance to actually fall pregnant naturally. Yeah. Um, we don't know if that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so IVF will still always be on the cards. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll start again if we need to go down the IVF path. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken to my specialist and we've also um, talked about IUI, which is a lot less IVF medication, mm-hmm. um, very, very low doses. And yeah, so it's intrauterine insemination, but we'll see. Oh, it's so exciting. I know. I, I actually can't believe how much self-advocating really does make a difference because I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking about it because I thought, well, this is it. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be in pain for the rest of my life and yeah. it's no quality of life for anybody and it's, that's not okay. Period pain is not okay. Do you think going through like as many other surgeries as you've had, that's helped you kind of have the confidence to be like, this isn't right? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Since my gastric bypass five years ago, mm. I've had other surgeries with other complications that have happened and I've had to, you know, really fight for myself then, mm. um, but not in a sense of my endo. Yeah. And a lot of women with endometriosis have to fight, um, but a lot don't know that it's okay to fight. Especially if like, they, yeah, that's like their first thing, like that's their first foray into the world where they're like, okay, well, I don't know, and that's doctor yeah. said it probably isn't, so I guess yeah, not. but fight. And if you aren't getting the help that you need, continue fighting mm-hmm. or go and see someone else. Yeah. Um, seeing someone who specialises in endometriosis especially and someone who has a passion for it, um, someone who does excision surgery because – being in pain is not okay, um, but you're also not alone. Yeah. Um, as Kate said, there's one in seven women and it's probably a lot lower. Yeah. Like it just has to be. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so crazy to think that like when I got my period at 12, my mum was like, this might like a little bit of pain is normal, mm-hmm. but like if it really hurts, come and tell me because yeah. that's not something's wrong mm-hmm. and we'll go and get you help. So you tell me if you're in a lot of pain. Yeah. And it's like, why was my mum saying that to me at 12? Yeah. And then it's like you have medical professionals who are like, oh, it's just period pain. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah. And I think like I was told exactly the same thing mm. um, and I was in a lot of pain. Mm. Uh, I went from not having a period to extreme pain wow, and having yeah, to come yes. home from grade eight. All my friends had their period before me and I was jealous. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I got my period and I was like, why am I in so take much back, pain? Take it back, take it back. Take it back. I don't want to be back. a woman anymore. Yeah. And obviously my mom had or has endometriosis because mm. she – I told her about my pain and she said that she has pain and it's just normal. Yeah, of course. And because like your mom, like obviously like their generation isn't talking openly about it. Exactly like right. Like a- exactly right. And she was like, it's normal. You'll be fine. Like mm. this is just the way of what being a woman is like. IVF and, you know, trying to get pregnant is obviously such a highly emotional, stressful thing. How are yeah. you going with all of it? Yeah, IVF is really hard mm. um, and there's absolutely no one prepares you for the mental toll of that. Um, and I'm very thankful that I have a very supportive husband mm. because I I. Don't know if I could have done it on my own. Yeah. Um, And I really do give it to a lot of people out there that go through IVF on their own because Mm. they want a baby. Um, 
yeah, and to throw in our failed cycles is even harder, especially when we've worked so hard for for this and yeah. to not have any results. And you know, I could have been pregnant by now, yeah, um, or I could have a child by now, yeah. And that that's that's tough, mm. um, but um, I'm very optimistic, and I try my hardest to see the positives. And even though I I still have those moments of seeing everyone really happy with their own kids, or the questions of when are you having a baby, which what I can't believe people are still asked. Like it's so crazy that anyone could look at people and just be like, well, when are you getting pregnant? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or what's wrong with you? Yeah. Whose fault is it? Yeah, whose fault is, is it? Are you shooting blanks or is it you? Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Yeah, it's so insane to me. Or then you do have a kid and then they're like, when are you having a second one? It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and they're like, oh, just have IVF. Yeah. Like that's not a solution. It's not an answer. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately IVF isn't walk in the park mm. you don't just get to walk away with a baby yeah after you know injecting yourself with some needles yeah um and it's not exciting and you know i went in naively thinking oh i'm gonna get pregnant i give you this money you give me a baby Perfect. yeah yeah it's a yeah. fair trade right mm. um unfortunately not and yeah. if you know someone going through ivf or having fertility struggles just be there for them because mm. it is hard Hard. They are feeling the feels, and you know we're coming up to Christmas, and it's really tough for women going, or even families going through um, fertility struggles. Yeah, and couple, like husbands, like my partner, you know, you've got to be there for them as well because they're they're struggling just as much. Do you have? I know we've talked a lot about self advocacy, which I'm sure is probably your biggest advice. <laughs> did you? But did you have any other advice for women who like whether it be endo, IVF, anything that if they're kind of like in the midst of it or they're suspecting that they have it, like do you have any advice? Yeah, speak up. Um, you're not alone. There mm. are so many support groups um, around the world, no matter where you're listening to this, especially for endometriosis and fertility. Um, and there is someone that is experiencing the same as you. And you probably know someone that's going through the exactly same thing. Mm. Um, but just, just talk. Just talk about your symptoms. And even if it's too someone that can go along with you um, and help you talk for yourself because it's tough but you're not alone if you liked this episode of keeping it real please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and while you're there why don't you have a flick through our past episodes We'd love to hear requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.